Hi everybody, um, welcome to another edition um, of Shaky's Cricketing Journeys. I'm really enjoying these ones so far and I, I'm, I'm very happy to be joined by a um, lifelong friend of mine from childhood, um, Scotland leading wicket taker of all time. I'm very pleased to welcome Majid Huck, aka the Panther. Welcome Majid. Assalamualaikum, hi Shaky, how are you doing? You alright? Salam. Good to see you. Yeah, thanks very much. Good to see you and all the best with your uh, media career and I hope it really takes off. Thank you're, you very you're much. You're made for it. Thank you very much. You're, well, that's actually funny you say that. You've always, um, you always used to say to me, when your cricket career comes to an end, you need to do something with media. So, you know, I'm finally taking on your advice. Um, and yeah. let's, see, let's see where it all goes. Yeah. Before I go into Cricket Magic, I want to touch on some recent events. Um, we're obviously in the middle of a very testing time for everybody, um, coronavirus pandemic, and you have been at the heart of it. Um, only a couple of weeks ago, um, you were fighting for your life on a, in an ICU unit on a ventilator, um, followed by, thank, thanks to Almighty, you, 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 you recovered, and on your departure, your father was on his way in and, and also was a 50-50. ICU, ventilator. How are you feeling now? And please talk to me about that whole experience. Yeah, it started around about early March. I was down in London for uh, just a weekend away and then I came back and then three or four days later I wasn't feeling great. And then I was isolating for about a week uh, and I still wasn't getting any better. And then I was given medicine by the doctor. It was antibiotics and uh, I actually found out later on that he prescribed the completely wrong medicine. Uh, so I got you, were given antibiotics. you were given antibiotics for something yeah. else <laughs> yeah that, that's more for a bacteria not like a, a virus like this uh, so I was really bad my breathing I was just walking up and down the stairs and I could hardly breathe uh, I got taken to hospital uh, I think it was a Wednesday and then they tested me for coronavirus and the following day uh, I stayed overnight in the high dependency unit for two or three days uh, the results came back, uh, it was positive. I knew myself, I was something seriously wrong here. So they came back positive uh, within, I recovered actually pretty quickly. Uh, then within three days I was in a ward and then I stayed there for another three days. And then on the Monday, uh, I was asked to, it's time to go home now, uh, which was great. I was really obviously bored of the hospital, away from the family, because no one could come and visit you as well. That's the tough thing with coronavirus is no one can come and actually see you. So, and then obviously Monday, I heard this. I heard on Saturday my dad had been taken in. Within uh, within 48 hours, I heard things were really, really serious for my dad. Uh, he got taken into ICU straight away. He tested positive for coronavirus and he also had pneumonia as well. My dad's obviously got underlying health con uh, issues with asthma. So his was really, really bad. So on the Monday I left, my dad went into ICU fighting for his life. Uh, it was really a tough time for the family, obviously. My dad, obviously, we lost our granddad three months ago as well. So after yeah. my granddad, my dad's the head of the family, really. So it was a really tough time. Uh, but thankfully, thanks to Almighty Allah, that he's recovered now. And he's, he's like, you'd never have thought seven weeks ago he was fighting for his life the way he is right now. He's playing with uh, his grandchild and 
walking up and down the stairs, no problem. Actually, he's washing his car the other week as well, which is like, I was well, telling he's, 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 back, he's definitely back to his old, old self on social media because he's been liking all my tweets. Um, and that's something your dad, I can always rely on your dad to like, uncle to like, like my tweets. So, you know, from, 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 you know, I was in touch with you quite a bit um, over that, over the course of that time, just over messages. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, it's just such yeah. a, nobody really knows what, what to, to expect. It's such a new, it was such, so new yeah. to all of us. There you go, your doctor prescribed you antibiotics thinking it was something totally different. Um, look, Majid, thank to Allah. Yeah. Like we've, um, you, you and your father have made a recovery. I, I have to say I was more concerned um, for your father when I heard he went in because obviously, you know, I know that people in your younger age have, have sadly lost their lives as well, but older people are obviously a lot higher risk. Um, and your father yeah. being a, your father being somebody who has got underlying health issues, you know, we, we can just give thanks to, thanks to the Almighty that both of you have recovered. You're back home. Um, and I hope you're staying, yeah. uh, staying safe and no visits to London anytime soon, please. <laughs> definitely not. It's definitely put life into perspective. Oh, well, I think all of us, it's been, a, it's been an eye-opener for all of us, even if you haven't been directly affected by it. I think um, it's, been, it's been an eye-opener. But I think it's been a positive for a lot of people as well because people have spent a lot more time with their families. Um, yeah. Others have spent more time uh, you know, at home from work and, and spending time with their kids and mothers as well. Um, I think one thing you touched on that's really, really sad is the fact that people are, have been dying and the family members can't even go to be by their side or be part of the burial. Um, that's very, 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 very sad indeed. Um, so my, my condolences go out to all of those that have been affected by the virus. Um, and may we get through this time soon yeah, definitely. and get back to, back to normal. Yeah. Moving on. Um, you're back. You got your sunglasses back on. You're looking. You're looking in good. You're looking in good health. And I want to talk to you. All things cricket now. Um, started at a very young age. Talk to me about your childhood and how you got into cricket. Yeah, childhood was basically just playing in a back garden with Omar a lot, and then going to see my two uncles, Fareed uh, and Hussain, eh, Fareed Hussain and Asif Khan. Uh, he's obviously Omar's dad, so it was great to go and see them play for Ogamarians. Uh, and, and some of the, the grounds they played at were unbelievable. Like they played at Creef, uh, Culps, in the small clubs cup, Rossi Priory, which amazing grounds that if you're playing at a higher level, you sometimes don't visit. Yeah. But some of these small clubs are incredible. Uh, but sadly, they folded around about late 90s, 2000. Uh, so then I'm, obviously, I moved to Kilburn. When I was quite young, me and Omar were there. Uh, we played there. I played there 11 seasons. It was a brilliant time to play there. I just remember, uh, obviously, you played at Kelvin as well. You know how nice that ground is. Oh, beautiful, beautiful oval. Beautiful amazing, pavilion. Amazing pavilion, yeah. Changing rooms, everything's perfect there. Uh, maybe the wicket probably isn't as good as it Yeah, but I remember be. the wicket back in that time. I think it was a bit better than what it, than what it is now. Um, so, I mean, I remember... So, back, talking about Kelburn, I mean, you had a very, very good side, um, your age group in particular. I mean, I remember the likes of, um, uh, you had uh, Gregor Maiden, yeah. Andy Robin, Carmichael, yeah. uh, David Miller, yourself, obviously, yeah. little, little toddler Omar, um, yeah. you know. Mark Ferguson. Mark Ferguson, yeah. fantastic keeper, who yeah. I think you went on, it's a great story, other side of the world. 
Uh, you played against each other in New Zealand um, later yeah. on, coming later down the line in, in World Cup qualifiers, and he was playing for Hong Kong. Yeah, that was it was an unbelievable time at Kelburn. Uh, we're all quite similar ages. We practiced a lot during the summer, and I always seem to remember the weather being so much better then as well. Uh, but yeah, great times. We had a lot of success as well. We won the Scottish Cup under 15s level. We had a quality team, as you said, like Mark Fergus, Alanka, Michael, Andy, and myself. Omar was there, Johnny Christie and Chris Nelson, who went on to play for Scotland hockey, were very good cricketers at that age as well. So I had a, a great time at Kilburn. We also had amazing professionals then as well. We had guys like Manzoor Alahi, which is a serious all-rounder from Pakistan. Sabah Karim, mm-hmm. who kept working for India. Uh, wow. Great distinction. He obviously got hit by Anil Kumbli in the eye of I think the, the bail hit him or something and then that finished his career but he was a quality keeper batsman who we learned a lot I think Mark Ferguson talks very highly of him as well and taught him so much and Roger Telly Marcus South African quick bowler the bowled late 80s uh, laterally we also had David Harper as well who had a great influence on my career so they were brilliant times we had like a, a nucleus of senior guys as well like Jamie McDonald who you played with Doobie Wiley Scott Hamilton uh, somebody else you probably don't remember is Stuart Cruikshank, who was a very, very yeah, good all Heard a lot about him, heard a lot about him, never, never met him. Very good all And uh, yeah, we had some good times there. Uh, but then, obviously, uh, all sometimes good things come to an end. Well, well just, just on that, Majid, my early memories, I'm obviously a couple of years, year and a half, two years younger than you. Um, yeah. And Obviously, I looked up to you. You were a ta- very talented left-handed batsman. Um, I was a cheeky little <laughs> left arm over, left-hand batsman. And I'll never forget it. As a kid, I was on a district tour with your little cousin and a yeah. friend of mine as well, Omar Hussain. And Omar said to me, uh, the shop <laughs> said to me, he said, um, Majid doesn't rate you as a cricketer. And I'll never forget yeah. that because yeah. it like proper drove me. I was like, he doesn't rate me as a cricketer. And he was like, he doesn't rate you. And I'll never forget, I played an under-15, or it was an under-17 game against you at Clydesdale. And I cleaned you up in the first over. And then I came out and got 50. And yeah. I think we I think we put put to bed. And then I think you'd said to Omar, no, Sheikh, he's a really good cricketer. And that was yeah. it. We became very close friends from that moment on. Um, but yeah. I earned your respect in that, in that on those, in those young days. Yeah, definitely. You are obviously very cocky and arrogant then as well. And then... I just wanted to see, let's, I've obviously played against you before, yeah, because you were a couple of years younger. So yeah. that was the first time I played against you. And you know, obviously you got me out and you scored a, a match winning 15 out to get your team over the line. And after that, I thought, this guy's a serious young player. Yeah. He's actually as good as he talks. So It's not just, <laughs> don't get me wrong, that never ever stopped, Majid. I mean, as you can see now, I, lo- I love to talk. But uh, thankfully, yeah. I earned your respect and we then went on from there. Um, and had many great times playing together. But I want to, to touch on the rest of your club career. You then moved to, not too far away, just down the road. You took yeah. the, the plunge from Whitehall to Miko Riggs to play for Fergus Lee. And um, probably just at the time, it had, to, you know, it had to be a move you made if you wanted to, to push on to higher honours. Yeah, uh, Fergus Lee, a move happened uh, over the winter. Uh, Fergus Lee were recruiting and I think Ian Kennedy called me up to say, we would love to have you at Fergusley. Uh, and then, obviously, Ian Kennedy's a big name in Scottish cricket. He's the current national selector as well at the moment. Uh, he's a quality player himself. 
as he used to love to remind me. Big influence on me as a junior as well. Yeah. Lot, you know, fantastic. Yeah, he's yeah, really good. So obviously, the first season I moved. We had a quality side. Uh, I was there. Harps was there. Uh, Con was in his first season as well. The late Con Delaney sadly passed away last year. Uh, we had Ben Locken as an overseas amateur who went on to play for Australia national yeah. team, which is unbelievable. Because uh, I never thought Ben uh, would have caught to that level. I knew he was a very talented player and probably would, might have played first class cricket in Australia. But to yeah. play for internationally and do well as well. And the career he's had has been great to watch. Very underrated uh, bowler. He always just didn't look much. I don't think you got the best of him, actually. I think Clydesdale, we got the best of him as an overseas amateur. I think he was injured. Yeah, this he played yeah, yeah, the second half of the season, he got a back injury. So, unfortunately, he played as a batsman. And you know what his fielding's like anyway. He's oh, unbelievable. Oh, probably, this world, probably, so. probably up there in the top two or three fielders in the world cricket, even now, I would say. I mean, some of the yeah, catches yeah. he took for Australia are just... <laughs> uh, he had no right catching them. So, I mean, yeah. you had a great, great, great core of players. So, to name another few, you obviously played with Stuart Murray. Yeah. Good player. You would have played a lot of junior cricket. Played a lot of Scotland A cricket as well. Uh, he's a, Omar, you, Omar obviously had already made the move. So, yeah. you were joining up with your cousin again, who was obviously coming into his own as a, a senior left-handed batsman. And um, you saw, you know, those are the memories. Yeah, Drag, 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 as well. as well. As a young 18, 19-year-old, so... We had a very good uh, young players then as well. Obviously, Con was only 22, 23, and he's a serious all-rounder then. Uh, then we had senior guys like Stuart Kennedy, who's a brilliant player. Uh, Sandy, the late Sandy Strang, who sadly yeah. died three years ago. Yeah. He was an amazing influence uh, on me and the rest of the team. Uh, Richard Rutniger as well, he's a very senior guy. So we had some quality players there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, still- I- my memory, Majid, of of club cricket and coming through all comes down to that kind of couple of years. I mean, we were proper rivals, Clydesdale and Fergus Lee. We had a very strong team as well. Um, plenty of internationalists. Yasser Arafat is overseas pro. Um, and we had some real, real, real tussle encounters. Um, you named a few people there. I mean, Sandy Strang being one of them. Um, somebody who I... Very, very fond of the late Sandy Strang. He was a great, great, great man. Um, yeah. Such an intense character. I'll never forget playing a game against you boys at Mikulregs. Con was bowling. Um, the late Con DeLanga bowled. And I cut one to backward point. Thought about going for a single. And I, I had to quickly come back. And let's just say Sandy shared a few words with me and pretty intense words. We had a few words back and forward. And what I loved about Sandy was as soon as we came off the pitch, he was the first person to come and talk to you and first person to spend time with you. And I'll never forget when I released an article speaking out against, at that time, the national team coach. Yeah. You always remember those that are with you when you're at your lowest. And Sandy yeah. Strang phoned me up and offered his help to try and help me get through that period of time um, and said he would try to speak to the governing bodies to try and mend this relationship. And I'll, I'll never forget that about Sandy. So yeah, I'm very lucky to have played with him. Definitely, very, very lucky. Uh, I think everyone who's met Sandy has, has only got good things to say. He's very honest. He doesn't doesn't matter where you're from or what background you are or what race you are. He was just a nice guy to everyone. But he also had a very fierce side to him, like in warm-ups and stuff. We used to play football for 10 minutes 
I'm sure he took out somebody every warm up. I think he, he had Omar lying on the floor once. The war was raging. I heard that. So, story. I would have loved to have seen it. I would have loved to yeah. see the chunk spaced out on the, <laughs> on the ground after a slight tackle from yeah. Sandy Strang. Omar wasn't happy. That's that's for sure. But uh, Sandy is an unbelievable man. There's not many like him who I met over my life. So and I think you probably be the same as well. Yeah. It's a very sad loss to Scottish cricket. And um, as was as was obviously more recent times, Con Delang. Yeah. Um, you played a lot of cricket with Con. You know he must have been somebody to share the ball with in the middle overs. Both top class spinners. Yeah, We had a perfect combination. Obviously, left Con was left arm. I was right arm. Uh, we used to bat in the middle together as well. Even though he used to run me ragged because he was so rapid between the wickets. It was like. <laughs> Colin was like always looking for the two there and I was like Colin sorry he's one <laughs> but yeah he's a great professional and yeah and he's, he's sadly missed as well and you know, I played with him obviously later on at Clydesdale as well so played a lot with Colin and he was a quality quality player yeah great professional. yeah no me our prayers are always are always with him um and you know I hope his his family are you know staying you know Positive, and it was really nice to see the way the cricket community has come together um, yeah. after, unfortunately, he passed. And you know, I think it's I think it's amazing the way all the club took part in the beanies, um, the Benjamin beanies, to kind of you know show the love from Radley and the cricketing cricketing family. And he got you know he got messages from all around the world from some respectful you know some very high level people like the Valen Donald. Um, I seen I seen tweeting his condolences, Herschel Gibbs. So. He was obviously such a highly regarded man, and may he may he rest may he rest easy. Yeah. Um, great successful time. You won two Scottish Cups, something I've never had the pleasure of winning. Um, yeah. that, that must have been a great great moments. Yeah, they were obviously. Uh, we're very we're obviously against you guys. We're very close in the league. Uh, I think in one year we won the first division. Uh, then the, the two years afterwards, you won the guy, won the Premier Division. So yeah, but it was yeah. amazing. It was amazing that because the Premier Division the next year it was both of us playing in Edinburgh. We were playing Grange. You boys were playing Carlton. So we yeah. just both been promoted from First Division, and we were the two teams fighting for the title. So yeah. if you guys had won and we lost, yeah. you would have won the National League Premier Division. If both of us won, we would tip you. And it was, I mean, you boys chased two seventy odd at Carlton. Yeah, um, we were chasing maybe 180-odd at range. We had a bit of a banana skin in the middle and lost four or five wickets. It could have gone touch and go, but we managed to, we managed to get over the line. So, it was. I mean, if you're looking back, there's some great competition between us, us, us two sides. Yeah, there was. Obviously, you guys had a team full of talent uh, with an amazing professional in Yasser. So, and obviously, you, Ross, were obviously just breaking through into the Scotland stuff as well. Then you had senior guys like uh, Greg and Rennie Keith who were quality players as well. I think you had Ben as overseas amateur yeah, as well. Yeah, Ben as overseas amateur, so, yeah. He's had some serious players and, and then he had a very strong team as well. And I think the the national leagues were, were brilliant for cricket then as well. Yeah. Uh, we had, uh, obviously, three divisions, I think it was then, first sec uh, Premier Division first and second. And, and then guys really, really enjoyed the challenge of playing. We didn't have so much district cricket then. Yeah. Uh, so all the stuff is more national, and that's how the Scotland team was being picked on club performances and also Scotland A games as well. Yeah, no, you used to turn up on a Saturday and you knew you were in a game of cricket. It had that real um, playing against the East as well, going over to Edinburgh. I just had that extra buzz, and I've always, 
I've always kind of said ever since they've made the West and they've made the East regionalised, the standard of cricket, certainly in the West, definitely the standard has gone down. Um, I think the East has maybe maintained okay. Um, but I would love to see a National Premier League come back and then have the regional stuff off in the other divisions. I think it's, um, it's healthy for Scottish cricket to produce the next top-class players to come through, to then go into regional, then go into the national team. Yeah, um, yeah I agree with you on that, because uh, obviously when it first happened, I wasn't too sure about it. I think regional would uh, cut down on the travel, because they always use the example, why would them free school all the way to Stonywood Dice? It just doesn't make sense to play club cricket on a Saturday. But I think if you want to try and get the raising standard of club cricket, I think this year might be a nice gap to just reevaluate and maybe next year they might bring it in again. So I think it's a good chance to bring it in again. Yeah, no, I, I would I would I, I would love to see it. Obviously, um back at, I've gone back to I was due to play for Clydesdale again this year and you know the twilight of my career and, and unfortunately it's um it's not happening. So need to wait for next season now, but I would love it if it was a in a national premier league and got to come got to come to Edinburgh and play against yeah. some of the some of the teams there. You, you would love bat, you would love batting in the east as well. The pitch yeah, well. I think uh, I think uh, the east wickets are definitely boys have got it lucky down there. No wonder they're scoring all these runs. <laughs> Send a couple of them up to the west and we'll see how they get on. Um, moving on, Majid, you left Fergusley. What year would that have been? Uh, I left in two thousand and eight, so I joined Clydesdale in two thousand and nine. Obviously, I was at a stage where I was twenty four, twenty five. I wasn't really sure where this cricket. Cricket when when I think it was just getting into full time contracts then, so I wasn't on the first batch of the contracts in two thousand eight two thousand nine, uh, so obviously I was looking at employment and I did my accountancy degree obviously so I was looking to get into that. Thankfully, uh, Bill McCracken helped me out with a job for six months in Kilside, mm-hmm. which was a, a great chance for me to get my foot in the accounting world. Yeah. And, nothing really happened after that because obviously I became really busy with cricket yeah uh, when the World Cup it was like six months after the, the when I started working as an accountant obviously the accountant I was at, I think I was in South Africa as well for that ill 2009 World Cup qualifier yeah. tour yeah uh, and obviously the T20 World Cup and as an employer you need your employees to be there so I was yeah. away two months out of that six months so yeah, it's not really going to. It's not really going to work. It doesn't really work. Unfortunately, business is business. Yeah. Um. And, and you know, business comes first. But it's not a. It's not something that they can just sit and yeah. sit and wait around. So you made yeah. the move to Clydesdale. Um. Again, very successful. Seven, eight seasons. That uh, roughly. Uh, eight seasons. Uh, eight seasons. Two thousand sixteen. So. Which included yeah. a Scottish Cup, Scottish Cup title, um, yeah. and two league. League wins as well. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, I had a great time at Clydesdale as well, uh, especially to begin with. Uh, at the start, I wasn't really there because I was quite involved with uh, Scot- uh, Cricket Scotland stuff. So between 2009 and 2015, uh, before my cricket international career was over, yeah. I, was, I was probably there like 50 50. Uh, and then afterwards, the last two seasons, I was there basically full time. Were you captain? I was also I was also captain, yeah, for the last three four years I think as well. Yeah, which which was a a big uh, responsibility at Clydesdale. There's a lot of stuff happening in the background. Uh, some some good stuff, some not so good stuff, and just some players who played in the past era, unfortunately, still hanging on, uh, just not letting things be. Uh, obviously, I wanted to do. I'm a strong personality myself. 
there's a, there's other strong personalities at the club. So it was a bit of a clash there towards the end, unfortunately. Uh, things didn't really end well. It was a shame because we just won the league in Scottish Cup. Well, that's for the first what we're saying. You finished in a high. Yeah, it was a great, great way to finish because I, I was under a lot of stress uh, there, cricket-wise, family, personal relationship. Uh, so to, to keep my mind on the cricket captain as well as dealing with so many bullshit, basically. Yep. <laughs> I was really happy the way how it ended, winning the league, winning the Scottish Cup against a very good Arbroath team. We had some quality players, and the two Barnets, obviously, Ross McLean, uh, Brendan Ford, Elton Valencia, Craig Ramsey. They had a very, very good side then. Yeah, and, I was yeah. actually there. I was there that day. Yeah, I was there witnessing. Yeah. It was a, it was a quality, yeah. quality game of cricket. And I remember actually coming into the changing room just after you'd left the field, um, scoring the winning runs. Or I don't know if you scored the winning runs. You, I think Colin yeah, did. You, 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 you were at the crease. Um, yeah. And I came in and you looked like a very relieved guy sitting in there. We shared a handshake and a hug. Okay. Um, I congratulated you. But you seemed like, you seemed very emotional at that point. So there was obviously a lot going on. Yeah, yeah I was mentally exhausted, Shaky. It was a tough two years there from the World Cup thing, which we'll talk about later on. Yeah. And then obviously with things that were happening at Clydeville and Outside the influence from off the park, especially, it just wasn't very nice for me. And uh, unfortunately, I've got some probably tough, tough memories there. Obviously, you forgive, but you never forget these sort of things that were very hurtful. Especially like at a time when I needed support, I didn't really get the support at the club. So, 2016, obviously, it was my last year there. I had a great time, very successful time, captain as a player individually and uh, as a team so it was a good time to move and uh, thankfully some a uh, couple of teams showed interest but the, the, the team well, I, tried, I tried to pull your arm I just made a move to Weirs from Kelburn yeah. um, unfortunately it wasn't it didn't end up being the, the best of moves for me so probably you made a wise choice not to join me but I, you know me I tried to do some recruitment there and um, you were obviously a free agent at that point yeah. you had some discussions but I think you made the right decision to leave the West yeah, um, yeah, yeah, away from it. yeah, definitely. There's a lot of things going on, uh, even with not just Clydesdale, with the WDCU. I think we had an issue with the Scottish Cup final in 2014, where me and Richie were uh, cruising to victory against Grange, and then I got a, a terrible LBW decision <laughs> by uh, an umpire, and then obviously I got a, a lengthy ban from a, a reaction. Yeah. Which, uh, which, which was a shame because it's an emotional game, cricket. You're in a fight. You're basically, you know, yeah, Richie, we're seeing it through. And then that changed the game. We ended up 20 runs short. I was, so, there, that that, well. I was there that day as well, and I agree with you. It was a, it was a shocking decision. <laughs> yeah, so obviously then in 2016 as well, I think we called a game off early against Prestwick, uh, which then again, I felt I owed to the organisation uh, we didn't do it all by the right way, uh, but all, all the games were cancelled. That league, to the, uh, that that. Yeah, you kind of got, you kind of got, you kind of got singled out there. I remember yeah. that you'd, you'd been, yeah. you know, the the buck felt the buck seemed to fall with fall down with you. You'd, the controversy yeah. was that you'd obviously, you know, in purpose got that game called off early. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Scottish Cup final the next day, but there was no chance of the game being played that day. It was just WDCU liking to make things awkward and also. 
maybe somebody snitched from the club as well. So I'm not really sure about that. Okay. How I was handled. So you made the move, Majid. You made the move over to Kastorfin and and you know from the outside looking in, you look like you've really settled there. You look very. You, you you've probably been. You know this is something we've got so many things to talk about from the from before this, but this is obviously a more recent time. Yeah. And to drive the miles that you're driving, um, and continually stay at the club and go for for more seasons, you know something's obviously clicked quite nicely there. And I think you taking yourself away from the from the west and yeah. being out of the kind of public eye here has worked well for you. So talk to yeah. me about that experience. Yeah, it was really, really good. Uh, obviously, I had a bit of interest once I announced I was leaving Clydesdale. Uh, but for me, the way uh, Jim McFadgen and Arnie Sati, a couple others as well, it really sold the club. It was just a family club. Obviously, I was mentally exhausted and with everything that had been happening. It seemed like a quite a nice uh, club without much added pressure as well. They just wanted me to play. Mm-hmm. Get, get enjoying cricket again, which is, at the end of the day, that, that's what life is all about. Yeah. Enjoy, be happy, and then the rest of the things will take care of itself. Yeah. So for me, that was a, a really one of my best decisions I've made is going there, playing some cricket. I was really impressed by what their captain Joe Kinghorn Gray had to say as well, and the vision for the club. So in 2017 was my first season there. I went there. Uh, they'd missed out the year before to get promoted to the the Eastern Premiership. So my my, my aim was basically to get the team promoted and. We, we did. We had a, a playoff final against Stonywood Dice at Falcon. Uh, we bowled out uh, Stonywood Dice for less than 30. I took six for. Uh, we chased wow. it comfortably and got into the Eastern Premier League for 2018 season. So that was job well done for 2017 by the whole uh, club. No, I played that. I actually came to play a Scottish Cup tie against you for East Kilbride. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was actually my first time playing in Kostorfin. And um, it was safe to say I was pretty impressed by what I've seen. You know, quite an open facility ground. It's got that kind of school ground effect. But when you're actually on the oval, it's a lovely oval, lovely wicket. I was absolutely gutted that day. I smoked one off of my dasm, But unfortunately, I didn't keep it down. And it went straight to mid-off. I was hoping the guy was going to drop it. But yeah. you had a quality pro. He scored 100 yeah. that day. Um, Ahmad, Ahmad Azam was probably one of the best professionals I've played with. He was unbelievable. I think he scored a, a thousand runs. In all competitions in June, for yeah. like two months. <laughs> then obviously he got a bad injury. He had to go back home to Pakistan. He had to have a knee operation. Uh, we missed him for the last two months of the season, but he was unbelievable. Yeah, I seem like a very nice guy as well, probably. Yeah, he was very humble and down to earth, and just really focused on his cricket. And beyond really. that, it looks like it's quite a lot of talented guys there as well. You, I mean, some of the couple of batters that I seen that day look. Yeah. You look quite impressed. Yeah. We had Elliot Foster and Sam Flett, who were quality top-order batsmen. Foster and Fletty have both been playing for the Eastern District team as well, okay. which is was great. And we've got, we obviously had Joe King Hungry, who unfortunately left last year because he got a job opportunity at Heriots to be their player coach. He was okay. a quality player for us. We had some other really good spinners and Callum Duty, a quality leggy. Callum Clarkson, good left-arm spinner as well. We had a really, really good team there, and obviously, I really, I've really enjoyed my three seasons there. And obviously, this year, who knows what's going to happen? Well, obviously, the season's, season's been cancelled. We might play a bit of T20, maybe at the back end of it. And personally, I think it's probably a sensible decision. There's not really, I couldn't really see it working. People say it's a non-contact sport. 
but the saliva on the ball, yeah, exactly. going to share changing rooms, what are you going to do? Are you going to have a social distance changing room with all, yeah. wicket keepers, with terrorisers all with their smelly gloves? <laughs> I just don't think, I don't think, I just don't see how it can logistically work. Moving on then, Majid, we've talked about your club career, you know, yeah. fantastic, and long may things things go well for you. I'm really happy to hear that um, Christophe and, and you have, have found a good relationship there and you're settled, and I hope next year you go on to have another great season there. Just before we, we go into the, the, the national team and the A-team stuff, there's obviously a lot of junior representative stuff that you played um, all, through the, all through the ranks. You played for Scotland in the 13s, and the 15s, and the 17s. Um, but I want to talk about the under-19s. Um, we, uh, we had a tussle um, at Watsonians uh, with the European Championships. Both us and Ireland had beaten the Dutch and the Danes in the first two games. Yeah. There was only one team getting to go to the 2002 World Cup in New Zealand. Um, it all came down to a match at Watsonians against Ireland. Um, that, for me, that was one of my first memories. I was I think I was 16 at the time yeah. of uh, playing in a real, real high-profile, intense match. You must remember yeah. that game well. Yeah, definitely. It was a very, very high-pressurised game. Obviously, under-19 World Cups don't come very often. Ireland were a top side as well. They had Niall O'Brien, keeper, batsman, his quality. Obviously, had a brilliant career. John Mooney was a serious all-rounder. They had Jordan McGonagall, who was a very good left-arm spinner, who I'm surprised didn't go on to play for Ireland a bit more. Uh, and they also had Portrefield, I think, maybe. Yeah, in that Portfield, well. Portfield was the youngest in their team. Yeah. They had Johnny, Johnny Thompson as well, who was a, who was a good very guy. Good. I took a couple of shoulder barges off him that day. <laughs> yeah, definitely. He's, he's a, obviously Irish or they play hard, especially Niall O'Brien as a keeper as well. He's always in your ear. So they had a very, very good side. We also had a top quality side as well. We had Rob Moore, Stevie yeah. Gilmer, yourself, Kyle, uh, myself as well. Uh, Harry, Harry Singh was a very good player yeah. at that age as well. Uh, so we had a very, very strong team and we had to chase as well. And in a final as well, you know, it's like yeah, chasing. Yeah. I think it was like 2.30 we were chasing that Watsonians. Uh, yeah. And uh, I think we just, just got over the line within the last over. Yeah. Uh, you and Kyle had a great partnership towards the end. And as the two youngsters as well, uh, you showed a lot of bottle and, and handling the pressure, which was was, was amazing at that age because you were only like 16, 17 then. And, yeah. Uh, you were playing on probably three years uh, above your age level. And so that's when you and Kyle first showed signs of great promise as well. And obviously you both had them great careers as well uh, so yeah it was a great memory but unfortunately uh, yeah well that's that, that brings us to the kind of first controversial moment of your career before it even got started and I, I'll, I'll never forget it um, we all were summoned to Watsonians changing rooms at 9 o'clock the next morning after the success I think it was Jim Love and Mike Hendricks way of kind of bringing us back down to earth and, and being really hard nosed on us that was their kind of that was their, their, their kind of makeup. that's what they were like Obviously, a few boys had some sore heads. Um, Edinburgh boys had went out. You know, we have been out. Boys had been out in Edinburgh the night before, yeah. and Mike Hendrick and Jim Love had started going around the room one by one. And I never forget. I went to the toilet, but there was toilets that were just round the corner. You could still hear everybody in the changing room. Yeah. Mike Hendrick and Jim Love had got to you and said, "You know, Magic, what do you think?" And you said, "Well, we won, didn't we? So what's what, what's the problem?" And your, your point is valid, you know, the day after a very high-pressure game where the game could have gone either way, you know, let's be, not beat around the bush, Irish were probably just as strong as we were, um, 
to get over the line. You made a fair point, but I think you also, because of the type of characters you were dealing with, kind of put your nail in the coffin at that point. Um, and they went on to pretty much ignore you from that moment on. And you were left out of going to what would have been your first and only 2002 Under-19 World Cup in New Zealand. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll go on definitely on record for saying that we were a weaker side for not having you because Monty Bickfall had then come into the team as a young, talented leg spinner. You yeah. were obviously the leading off spinner to go on to be leading off spinner in Scotland. Um, so to not have you there, and you were a, a middle, top, top to middle order batsman, um, it was huge not having you out there. But talk to me about it personally for you. You must have been, that must have been a very low point in your, in your, in your early days. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, you've come off such a buzz from the day before. You just sometimes uh, you just need time away, and just think about it, and obviously in the mornings as well. I was like, probably a wee bit grumpy that day. Why are we going all the way again? I would be bus to drive fifteen minutes. You probably to... didn't have enough time to wash and condition your hair that day. <laughs> I know you like at least. I mean, from rooming with you, from experience, magic hack. This hair doesn't just come from nothing. Your normal routine when you go into it's really frustrating when I'm waiting to get into the bathroom, but you would normally come out and say it was a washing conditioner day today, Shaky. I need to leave the shampoo in my hair for a certain amount of time, and then it needs to be conditioned for a certain amount of time. And I'd just be like, What? And you're like, Look at my hair. Look at, you know, it's got to be like that. So you're a man that likes to take your time. You don't like to go into fifth gear too early in the morning. So I think, yeah, yeah you're a bit grumpy that morning. Yeah, I just think, obviously, I've just like said what I felt. Sometimes I'm, I'm that person. Sometimes maybe the whole squad were thinking, "Why are we here?" The next day, I, I think most of us yeah. were thinking that. To yeah. be fair, I, I just sometimes blurt it out, and that's been in my problem in my life. But it's the way I am. Likewise, Majid. Likewise, yeah, it's the way I am. And if, if it's not good enough for somebody, then it's not good enough. I don't really care. Sometimes, so, yeah, it's just the way I am. And so, yeah, that, that was a very tough time. Obviously, seeing new boys getting ready for the World Cup. I mean, I felt I should. I should have been there like, as one of the You should have been on the team, yeah. There was no doubt about that. It's just obviously they had uh, issues about my attitude and uh, they probably thought I don't really care as much. But as you know, you played a lot with me. Uh, I'm very, very serious about my cricket. I take it very seriously. Uh, so, yeah, that was a really tough time. I probably went through early depression there. And uh, I, had a, I had a really bad uh, winter. I put on probably so much weight. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that well. Obviously, we went to the South Africa as well for the under nineteen district tour. Yeah. So uh, I was pretty heavy then. I'm looking back. The footage at the of you bowling in a game that was where your spin talent really started to really come through. I mean, you were quality out there. But there's actually a footage in one of the on, on the South African video where you're bowling and somebody said, "Is that magic or is that a sea lion?" Because I you think, were, you I, were think that was one of, I think that was one of Mike Stanger's funny comments. No, I think it was Mike. Yeah, Mike loved a little comment on his commentary. Yeah. But you were, you were a big boy. Craig yeah. Wright and Stroppy were obviously in Stanger were our coaches out there. I think they had quite a good influence on us. You know, they were quite tough on us. They never, uh, yeah. never took any crap. I was obviously a cheeky little, cheeky little character back then. Tried to push, tried to test their patience. But they were pretty firm with us, and, and I think they were, they were good for us out there. Yeah, obviously, uh, Wrighty and Stroppy were key members of the Scotland full team, and they were quality all-round cricketers themselves. And it's like at the end of the day, when you're a young player, you you look up to uh, fellow cricketers who are above you and senior guys, and we all respected them. Obviously, they've had brilliant careers themselves, and and uh, yeah, they were 
then obviously I, I, if you played the game, you know what includes what you have to do and everything, rather than a coach who's just become a coach through uh, reading materials and doing all his levels. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. I've never yeah. been. I'm, I'm sorry, but I know, I know there's the odd one that comes through that, just yeah. that can, can be good, but I think it's few and far between. You know, you tend to respect somebody who's, who's been out there in that same intense kind of atmosphere, like at the same level. You respect what they say to you because you know that they've been there and done it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Moving on, it's interesting. I went through the same thing a couple of years later. Yeah. Um, I was at the MCC Young Cricketers. Um, I decided to resign. I, I was probably, like you were saying, probably having early stages of you know homesickness, stroke depression, didn't want to be in London anymore. Um, yeah. and, I, and I came back home. And I, in, a, in a proper manner, I went to Clive Radley and I, I, I resigned properly. He tried to convince me to stay. Um, but I, it was it was best for me at that point to come back. And uh, Mike Hendrick, from that moment on, he'd obviously helped me get into the MCC Young Cricketers, so I think he felt I'd left down. But he never, ever gave me the opportunity again. I actually went to South Africa with Kyle for six months to prove myself that I was still hungry to get in. And I think Mike Kendrick sent the team out before, the, before going to the World Cup. And he didn't even, I think, go to the World Cup in the end. Um, but, he, you know, but I actually sat, I cleared the air with him a couple of years later down at uh, a three-day game down at Derby. Um, where, you know, I said my point of view and I think he realised that maybe he could have handled the situation better and we could have had a chat. And I think the same applies to you. I don't think, I think that should have been managed correctly. You're a young boy and probably yeah. just sat you down and sorted the issue out, whatever, whatever issue they had with you. Um, and, but it is what it is. We both missed out on a, on a I missed out on a second under-19 World Cup. We missed out on, a, on one under-19 World Cup. But then the story changes very strangely. Not strangely because you're a bloody talented guy, um, but six months later, pretty much, you made your debut for the Scotland national team. And that was in a European Championships two, 2002. Yeah, it was. Uh, obviously then, like, you're growing up thinking, uh, you don't really know too much about cricket in Scotland. Obviously, the 99 World Cup was brilliant for me to see Scotland have actually got a national team as a young kid. Obviously, you remember George Salmon, Azim Butt, Gavin yeah. Hamilton. Yeah, guys, great, great guys, great influence, great, great uh, people to look up to. Yeah, so and obviously guys like Ian Phillip and, and Bruce Patterson as well. So they had quality players and, and then you realise actually Scotland have got a very good side there, competing on a world stage. And I think me and you and Omar actually went down to a game at Chesterley Street yeah. and versus uh, Scotland. So that, that was our first experience to watch a game live and it was amazing just to see these guys who you actually heard of. I actually like, got, I've got Gavin Hamilton lined up for an episode. Um, so I'm looking forward to it because Gavin, he was my... I went down there that day to go and watch our heroes. We see yeah. Muckram, Shweb, Uchter, all these great players, <laughs> Inzamamo Huck. Um, and I came away being in awe of Gavin Hamilton as an all-round yeah. cricketer because he announced himself on the world scene that day. Yeah, definitely. He obviously scored an amazing 70-odd against Pakistan. Shoei Bakhtar, Bowen Rapid. Yeah. Uh, Makram, Wakar Yunus. Zach. Abdur Razak. That was the, probably the pack, best Pakistani team I can remember. They should have won the World Cup that year. Yeah, definitely. Gav scored unbelievable 70, where the rest of the batsmen didn't really have much of an idea. Yeah. <laughs> Gav, to, be fair, to be fair to them, I don't think many would have had much of an idea that day. I mean, Shoy was bowling. He was, I think he was at his peak at that point. Yeah, he was bowling absolutely rapid. And obviously Gav was a serious bowler then as well. Yeah. He was 
swing it, swing it both ways, about 85 miles an hour. And he, he was a he was a brilliant, brilliant cricketer. It's just a shame how England handled him. Yeah. Because he could have been quality. Yeah, no, definitely. So, European Championships was your first experience. But my first kind of memory of you really announcing yourself was when you started playing in the, in the national team in the Friends Providence, which, yeah. which, which Scotland had just got into. Um, and you're obviously playing against full professional counties. Overseas, big overseas pros, a lot of big players were playing in the county setup at that point. Yeah. Um, and you, you made an end of yourself very quickly. You had some big performances, and um, Scotland had, a, had some actually took down some of the counties at that point as well. Yeah, in, in the first uh, uh, month of May, we beat three counties, which was unbelievable. It wasn't really heard of Scotland beating counties on such a regular basis. And I, I, I remember a quote from Mike Hendricks saying. Scotland won't probably probably beat a county once every like hundred games or something. Yeah, it was like we beat them actually three times within like two weeks. It was unbelievable. We beat obviously Durham. I took four for, which is a, an amazing uh, highlight in my career. Yeah, uh, we chased it as well. They had a, a very good bowling lineup as well, which included Steve Harmiston, who was bowling rapid that day, and uh, Jabagal Srinath as well. Wow, so that was a great great memory. Uh, and obviously beating Lancashire at Lancashire, it was always special beating the counties at their that own. That was a ground. huge win. That was a huge win to beat Lancashire. Yeah. Lancashire was huge. Yeah, they obviously had Carl. I think, one of, my got, I think one of my teammates got runs that day. Was that not a day? Greg Williamson scored some runs. Yeah, yeah I think Greg got uh, he smashed twenty or thirty odd uh, and gave us a great start. Uh, but you know, they obviously had some serious players like Stuart Law, Carl Hooper. Glenn Chapel, I think uh, James we Anderson. Right, really. I think we James Anderson. Right to beating them, but we, we to beat them is, is is a serious serious achievement. Yeah, it was always special beating the county at their home grounds, and I remember getting a a standing ovation as we walked up to the pavilion. That, that was when Lancashire had the changing rooms. It was like side on. Yeah. So you you see how quick the bowlers are bowling now. It's like yeah. front on. Yeah. And then you can see like these guys are putting it through here. Uh, so yeah, we should have it's, always, it's always worse to watch it from side on when somebody's bowling rapid. It's, it's, yeah. it's so we're all, and obviously we've been Somerset uh, in Edinburgh, which was a great occasion. Obviously, I think it was a rain curtain game. Yeah, Ryan Watson scored 100 off about 40 balls that day. And kept unbelievable. Smashing, uh, unbelievable. Kept smashing that Dutch, uh, I think he was an off spinner into the tennis courts at uh, Grange. So, that was a great, great time. Obviously, later on in the summer, uh, Rahul Dravid joined us as well. Yeah. Which was, you don't really think of yourself. And you look back now, you think, what are you? I was so lucky to play in a team with one of the greatest batsmen of all time and someone who's gone on to obviously have a great coaching career as well. He's one of the high, probably the highly regarded uh, along with Sachin Vidoka in, in India. In and he performed, of he performed fantastically well for us in, in a very short period. Short period of time, him and John Kent. Yeah, both. Uh, I think when the drive came, John Kent upped his game as well and started playing superbly. Uh, I remember the game we beat Sussex down there. Drive I think, I think got seventy or I think Kent maybe got close to hundred or a hundred, and we chased like two seventy, two eighty, yeah. and uh, they played superbly that day. And uh, that was also a special moment being Sussex down there. We had Mushtaq Ahmed playing and James Kirtley and Chris Adams, Murray Goodwin. We had a serious team there as well. So the, the games against the counties for me were 
looking back now is what made you as a cricketer, a young cricketer then. Yeah, they were yeah. tough, 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 tough matches. They never really respected us as Scottish players. You had to really earn their respect and uh, they used to really be very arrogant, some of them, especially the, the more southern counties you go, the, the Surreys and yeah, Hampshire's and all that. That kind of leads me into having a quick chat before we go into the World Cups. It was a big part of our of our upbringing. I think a lot of cricketers in Scotland aren't aware of that time, um, yeah. and they don't actually. There's a lot of people that maybe I remember Ryan Watson coming down and playing in an 18 game, and he was actually shocked at, at what we were up against. And that that wasn't even a championship game. That was just a friendly yeah. that, that year against Yorkshire. Um, yeah. But we played a, two seasons in the as an A team in the second eleven championship, which was yeah. T-Day cricket. Um, for me personally, as a cricketer, you know, I think I was leading the team at that point, um, and we had a great, 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 great bunch of guys. But that really matured us as cricketers. I remember we played our first game against Derby, and we got battered. We took a <laughs> we took a fair battering. Um, but then from that moment on, Majid, I mean, talk to me. But we we went on from there, and we we did some great things. Yeah, we had some uh, great wins. I can remember Lancashire, and we uh, we got really close against Yorkshire as well. Uh, I think we beat Durham as well, which was brilliant. Yeah. But obviously, I remember one game, you got 80 odd, unbelievable 80, against uh, Graham Onions, Callum Thorpe, uh, Neil Colleen, Will Goodman, Paul Wiseman, Clayden. Uh, uh, Mitchell Clayden as well. Like on, on a club pitch, at the end of the day, it's, it's a lot harder to bat on a club pitch with a juke ball against seamers like, say, batting at Chesterley Street, which is normally a very, very good pitch. Yeah. So, so the so the runs you get, you got, Umar got, and later like the guys like Flanners and Ewan Chalmers got against these county bowlers. Yeah, I mean, if you look back at that time, myself and Umar both yeah. scored hundreds against Yorkshire as well. Yeah. Um, and then there was a hundred. I get there was you know there was there was good there was good scores throughout. You got a good. We we, we drew with Yorkshire. Well, we beat Lancashire at Alderley Alder, Alder, yeah. which was a great win. And then we drew with Yorkshire. Um, down yeah. at uh, Sheffield Collegiate, yeah. that was another great game of cricket. Um, yeah. And then there's obviously the famous game at uh, Stamford Bridge, where yeah. we got screwed over a little bit when the umpire made me bowl an extra over at the end. But you know, we were down and out. We were following on. Yorkshire had said that, listen, yeah. can this get it said to the groundsman, can we use this for a net the following day? And the following day, over got a hundred, Ross Lyon got a hundred, and we put uh, we put the. We put the worry in the Yorkshire players that they had to chase a very, very scary 180. We had some serious yeah. trouble. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, back then as well, we didn't get much help from the umpires. Uh, the umpires are a lot in favour of the counties. Absolutely, even, absolutely. Even the, the full team level, uh, we didn't get the 50-50 decisions. They went to the counties and I think we probably could have easily won so many more games if they just got the right decisions back then. No, absolutely, absolutely. But it definitely matured as Magic. That was a core of players. You were obviously quite a senior player. You did already been in the national team, so you had the experience. But you must have seen there's a group of players there that you that you played with that probably didn't really go on to do as much as what I think they should have done. Yeah, definitely. I think the the team. Uh, Back then, obviously, had a quality group of players. Obviously, yeah, Kyle was just a little bit older. He was playing down Durham. There was you, there was Omar, there was Ross Lyons, there was Monib. There was other very, very talented players who, unfortunately, selectors and coaching staff didn't stick by when Ireland, the, uh, that age group of like 
Kevin O'Brien, Gary Wilson, Boyd Rankin, William Potterfield. They they stuck by them yeah. even for a couple of years where they didn't perform because they know in the long run they'll get the rewards which they have done because they've had brilliant careers now. I think latterly as well, guys like Flanners, Ewan Chalmers, Ollie Hares, the two Burnets, I think as well, were quality. Freddie uh, Coleman. Coleman as well. I think if we stuck by them a bit more, I think uh, we did stuck by a few guys like obviously Richie, Callum and Preston. They struggled a little bit at the start of their careers, but towards the end, uh, the way they are yeah, now, they have to be one of Scotland's best players. But at the start, they, they, they needed two or three seasons yeah. to get their feet at international level. And that's what guys like you, Omar, Moni, Ross didn't really get on a consistent basis. But uh, if you stick by uh, players, They'll eventually come good, but obviously you have to have that eye for detail and 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 choose the ones you think will make it. But we didn't really do that, and uh, for me, I'm obviously looking to become a coach. I think it's very important to like uh, select players who you think will eventually get there. And and I think uh, with Scotland now, it's, it's a lot better now. They're sticking by their players a lot more yeah. rather than. Yeah. Dropping and changing every two or three games. So, for me, uh, back then, obviously, it was slightly different under Pete and Juddy. So, obviously, we had a group of senior players as well who probably hung on too long as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so, it's all about moving players on at the right time. And, uh, unfortunately, that wasn't the case then. But uh, I, think, I think the Scotland team is in a lot better space now. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I think they you do see now they've got that consistent core of players um, and, and, it, and it shows on the park with, the, with their performances. Okay, so going into the kind of the big stuff now, you obviously are Scotland's leading wicket-taker of all time. That's no small feat that you've got there. You know, that's uh, something to be very proud of. Probably could have went on to get a lot more wickets as well, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, yeah. So, Majid, you played in your first World Cup, 2007, yeah. in the Caribbean. Now, I was in Australia at the time, and I remember tuning in to, to watch all the games, watch all the games live. And what stands out most about that World Cup is you opened the batting for Scotland. Yeah, uh, I just started off probably a couple of months before that. Uh, I think it was actually 2006, probably in December, uh, I was just batting in, in Bangladesh in the nets and I was hitting the ball really well. And I must have impressed uh, Righty, who was the captain then, uh, that this guy can actually bat. So I was batting probably in 1911. Yeah, then. but to be honest, uh, I don't really know why that kind of came into play because you were a fine batsman all the way through, Junior. I mean, you were one of the standout batters. So it is a bit strange that it's always been discussed of can you or can you not bat. In my opinion, you've always been able to bat. Yeah, obviously, sometimes you get pigeonholed as a bowler. Okay, a bowler, he bats down the bottom. But uh, I feel like I could have been a really, really good, genuine all-rounder. Uh, I've obviously had some highlights uh, with my batting and stuff. I scored uh, 50 against Ireland, 50 against Kenya. Uh, I, I got 50 against an, a strong New Zealand A-team as well in, in 2014, who had guys like uh, Colin de Granto, Matt Henry, uh, Hamish Bennett. Ish so deal playing for them. I, I, I seem to remember you once got a 50 against a Durham attack at, at the Grange as well that included a, a guy called Shoy Bakhtar. 
Yeah, that's right. I remember going in thirty for six or something, and thinking, "Bloody hell, what's happened here?" I think we were six for five at one stage. Shoei Victor was blowing rapid that day as well, and yeah, I just went in there. I took my chance, and luckily I stuck in there and managed to get myself like fifty not out. Uh, I was really proud of. Obviously, Shoei Victor was a massive name. We've grown up to watch this guy. Yeah, and obviously, uh, coming from a Pakistani family. We do support Pakistan. Yeah, so, very proud. Well, the family must have been very proud to see you. Yeah, Back to the World Cup as well. You opened the batting against Australia and they had a guy coming at you in the first couple of overs who wasn't too shabby speed-wise as well and Sean Tate. And I'll never yeah. forget, you stroked him over point, one of the first balls, then you stroked another cover drive. You, you also hit McGrath for a nice shot. And yeah. then for some reason, I don't know why to this day, I think you thought you were quicker than what you were because you, you, you really were. You decided to take on a three because yeah. you thought it was Glenn McGrath and he's older. But I'm sure Glenn McGrath can still shift a little bit, imagine. Yeah. Um, and you ran yourself out half a pitch. Yeah, I know, Shaky. Looking back, I was 13 years ago. I'm still gutted about that because I did the hard work getting in against these guys. The hardest thing is getting in the first 10, 15 balls against these guys. But once you get in, you have to make a count. I got 17 or 18 or something. I was feeling very comfortable. It was getting easier. The shine was off the ball. Uh, playing at the highest level, you have to do the hard work at the start. But once you get through that initial stage, things get sweet because the pitch is so good. The outfields are rapid. The West Indies grounds are quite small as well. So, yeah, I really, I'm really still kicking myself. Why did I take that third? And because then you think you might get another opportunity when you're younger. But as you get older, you have to grasp it. Grasp those opportunities. Yeah, you got to take, you, you're not going to get that. Those, those moments don't come. I mean, yeah. you, you went on to play another World Cup, but that kind of moment, opening the batting, you yeah. could have, you probably could have gone on to get 50 plus in that game the way you were looking. Um, yeah. But you know what? The coaches teach you as well to run hard, and I think your intentions were good. Um, you, you wanted to try and put put the pressure, but it was a bit of an Enzamamo hack moment. You know, you decided <laughs> that you were going for it and. Unfortunately, you got out. You went. You, you then went on to play against South Africa, and, and similarly, similarly, you got in again and looked very comfortable against Sean Pollock. Yeah, I hit Pollock for a couple of nice fours, and as I said, I did all the hard work, but I just got out at the wrong time. And then obviously that puts pressure on the guys coming down the order. You're playing against top international teams, and, and they're relentless. Yeah. And you guy comes in at the start. You have to work bloody hard to get past those ten, fifteen balls. Uh, and it was just they had a quality team as well, South Africa as well. So yeah, I probably like focused. I thought I was doing okay with the ball, and then obviously batting is that bonus. But yeah. I should have taken a wee bit more. Like I'm going to do this. I'm a top, I'm batting at the top order. I need to score runs just to take wickets as well. So yeah. maybe I was a bit more relaxed in my batting, thinking, oh, I might get saved by my bowling here, but. Yeah, obviously you look back and thinking, but you know, they were very, very lucky, lucky days. You obviously were there predominantly as well as a, as a leading spinner for Scotland. Yeah, yeah. You came back from that World Cup with some fantastic scalps. Tell me about some of the names that you got out of that World Cup. Yeah, uh, against Australia, I got Matthew Hayden, the LBW, which was a big moment, obviously. He'd been quality against India as well and just smashed their spinners all over the place watching the test series. And then obviously uh, I got Michael Clark out as well, bold with a quicker one. Uh, he was, a, you know, as we all know, Michael Clark, one of the best players of spin of all time. Yeah, class, class. Uh, to, get, 
Liverpool to get Clark and Hayden out was a really, really happy thing to look back on. I guess South Africa, I got Graham Smith out, who caught a mid-wicket, and Ashwell Prince uh, hit one to Maka at short extra. So these, these like four players are obviously great things to look back on. But, uh, Keep them in your pocket. I think, yeah. you've got, I think you've got Jack Callis as well at some point in your career. Yeah, that's a little bit later on. Yeah, we can talk. We can talk about that. That's 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 yeah. one you definitely keep the pocket. One of my yeah. favorite, favorite players of all time. So look, Magic, yeah. it was a, it was a good. You, you did well. You know, from my point of view, I thought you you, you were one of Scotland's. You, you performed. You certainly didn't come away from yeah. that World Cup with uh, with not showing what you can do. I think it gave you the appetite yeah. that you probably look back on now, ten years, thirteen years later, and think I could have done better. But yeah, you had your first experience, and then. Myself and you went to a World Cup later that year, in yeah. September. I, 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 I just want to go back to that 2007 World Cup. It was obviously quite a bittersweet moment for me because the, the winter before, obviously, they announced a provisional squad. And then my cousin Omar, who I'm very close with as well, he was in the original squad to go to the World Cup. That's right. Yeah. But last, last minute, they changed it because uh, Glenn Rogers became uh, available through residency. Yeah. And... Poor, poor Omer got left out because yeah, Omer was, was, was an unbelievable form. He scored 126 against a Lancashire 2 team. Yeah, uh, Ferguson, that game, yeah fantastic, goals, knock. fantastic knock. Which basically, which basically got him into this, the squad. And for Omer to be left out like that, it was really poor management, unfortunately. And uh, yeah, Omer, Omer took that really badly. Yeah, I don't think... time because his parents came out as well to the World Cup because Omer, Omer were obviously going, so they'd booked six months in advance. So that was a really tough time for our family. They're delighted for me going out, but obviously a very sad moment as well, not seeing Omer there, because Omer yeah. was in top form then. He had got himself probably in the best shape he'd ever been as well. He was fit. Um, you know, yeah. he was... He was he, uh, yeah, I think you're right, Majid. I don't think he ever really recovered from that. Uh, poor Omer, he, that was a tough, tough, tough pill to swallow. Um, and I think yeah. it took it. I think it took its toll on him over the, the coming years. He still went on to play some great, great innings. Yeah. But he wasn't. He wasn't. I think he felt. I think the love of the, the love and the passion yeah. was getting a, a lot of it. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it affects a, it affects a young batsman. Uh, he was only twenty two then, and obviously that that can affect a young player for a long time. Uh, I think he eventually did get over it and played some quality innings later on in his club career, and. Uh, I think he scored a few more, a couple more Scotland eight hundreds after that. Yeah, as well, yeah, but, yeah. yeah it, was a, it was a tough time for the family. Well, we move on then to September, two thousand seven. Um, this is something I want the viewers to know about. I get pigeonholed in club cricket all the time, like I'm a four day player, and I, I think a lot of people forget that we went to a T Twenty World Cup together, and probably one of Scotland's strongest squads. You know, you had the likes of Dougie Brown on that trip, Gav Hamilton. Yeah. John Blaine, um, Craig Wright, Floppy, Colin Smith, yep. Um, yep. Ryan Watson. I think that's a, my memory, certainly, of that World Cup was um, I don't think Ryan Watson wanted me to be there. I don't think he rated me the yeah. T20 cricketer. But we were told in the first two games against Bangladesh and Zimbabwe that whoever performed was going to play. Yeah. It didn't quite yeah, work. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's about the uh, selection and the uh, and picking players who are in the form at that stage. Uh, uh, I think uh, Ryan had just taken over captaincy from Righty then. Yeah. Uh, uh, so 
obviously I'd like to and uh, Ryan ran the show there for quite a few years yeah. as captain, vice captain. Uh, so yeah, I think we had a couple of decent performances. We, we just didn't get over the line in a couple of warm-up games, and then obviously we were in the, the the probably the group of death with Pakistan and India. Yeah, and Durban as well. So we performed obviously. we performed well against Pakistan. I mean, we were in that game. Um, chasing probably they probably got 20, 30 more than what we wanted. We bowled really, really well, but then at the end of the yeah. inning, as can happen in T20, a free D whacked a couple. Eunice Kang yeah. got a few yeah. away, and they ended up getting one seventy, which then was a you know it was a tough tougher ass to chase. We got about one forty. Yeah. Fraser Watts set us off fantastically yeah. well. Yeah, obviously we started really well with the ball, Blaney, Nell. Uh, righty or quality uh, unfortunately got hit for a, a couple of sixes by a 3D yeah, which right. got him going yeah, uh, it's a funny story actually for 3D came in I said to Blaney what's your thoughts he said man just throw one up there you'll get him caught deep mid wicket I said alright Blaney okay the uh, first ball I did it he hit me for six <laughs> almost Thanks, hit the ground thank you you talk about you were talking about Omar there but I remember very you know I, I was told the night before the game that I was left out, so I went to sleep that night knowing I'm not playing. The morning of the game, I was sitting in the lobby. Ross Lyons came walking by, looking all ready, organised to go, got in the bus, first guy in the bus, and then Scotland had seen that the, the look, it was a decision that in the end it probably worked out. Right, he had been left out, um, yeah. and the, the, they'd seen the morning game, and the ball had jagged about a little bit, um, and they decided. And Andy Tennant came rushing past me to go on the bus, and Ross Lyons was informed that he'd been been left out of the team, and that Righty was coming in. Righty ended up bowling really well in the games. He can't really fault the decision, but poor Ross Lyons. Yeah, obviously these sort of things are quite poor for management, and also I'm sure Righty and was putting a lot of pressure in the background as well. I mean, Ryan were quite close over the years, and Righty's obviously. Uh, Quite a big personality in Scottish cricket. Uh, so someone, if you cross righty, then uh, you, you might be on the out, out of the way, as I maybe a couple of cookies found out. So, uh, yeah, that was obviously a tough Ross as well, a young cricketer. Yeah. Very tough for him as well at that stage. Maybe he never recovered after that as well. Yeah. It was a, uh, obviously, toward playing a World Cup, being told you're playing, it's a big thing. And then a few hours later, Oh, the next the next day, saying, "Sorry, mate, you're on the you're you're not playing because it's it's going to drag around and because uh, obviously Ross was in great form then as well. Yeah. Uh, well, but at the end of the day, right, he took his opportunity again, like he always used to when he got a chance. Yeah, no, you can't fault him. That's the thing. Yeah. At the time, yeah. it seemed like quite a ruthless decision, but right, he came in and he bowled a bowled a really good spell, a really important spell for us in that game. Um, unfortunately, yeah. we lost the game. We then yeah, were we good to play India in a day-night match. Kingsmead, packed-out house. Absolutely packed. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, it, I mean, that's the thing about Durban when it rains and Durban it rains. No, no, no. It was gutted, obviously. India had a, a serious team there as well. And at the end of the day, Pakistan India got to the final of the T20 World Cup. So we could have, we played, we could have played against both the, the finalists. Yeah. So... Yeah, it was, a, it was a shame that game got rained off because that was a, a great opportunity to play against like Yuvraj, Dhoni, uh, Gautam Gambier, uh, Harbhajan. That, that's the World Cup that Yuvraj hit Stuart Broad for six sixes as well. Unbelievable. Yeah. Like, so, you know, that's that like, was on, that, on that ground as well. 
Yeah, that, that, that World Cup was, it really announced T20 cricket and T20 cricket's never looked back again. But to be part of that and be out there was quite an experience. It was like you were, you know, my first experience of being a World Cup, it was like we were royalty. Um, I remember arriving at the hotel when we arrived and there was a like a tribal um, group of people that had got around and were doing like their tribal dances. And I remember pulling out some hip-hop moves myself and getting involved with some of them. Great fun. Um, you know, it was it was special going to opening opening ceremonies, the ICC Cricket Awards. We got to attend. You know, special 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 times. So we came back from there, and then you went to another T20 World Cup, um, 2009, in England. Yeah. Bit of a... Yeah, obviously the 2009 World Cup was uh, really really special. Obviously in England, England basically the home of cricket. To be honest, the, the grounds in England, the pitches, the facilities, the way they look after the practice facilities are unbelievable. I remember having a couple of, of games as well in the warm-ups against England as well, which was live in Sky Sports. Uh, it was a great uh, chance as well. It was a pretty full Trent Bridge uh, Stadium that day in a warm-up yep. game. Yeah, I remember it. We played at Holland as well at the Oval. And then obviously coming into the tournament, we were in another tough group. It's no easy games at international level, especially yeah. when you're playing against the top. 10 teams in the world so we played against New Zealand in the first game unfortunately I didn't play it was a rain affected game I think it was only a, a 7 or 8 over game yep. our batsmen absolutely smashed the New Zealanders I think in 7 or 8 overs we scored almost 90 which was a brilliant effort by the top 3 or 4 batsmen uh, and then New Zealand made a bit of a uh, mockery of the chase they chased it with like yeah, six, I, six I, balls I thought we go. were in there I thought we were going to get a victory there that day and they got it with an over to spare which was Really, really disappointing. Um, and then I think we played South Africa. That was another. You got you you got the you got the great man out that day, Jack Callis. Yeah, yeah South Africa actually scored about two hundred and twenty against us. They absolutely smashed it. Uh, luckily, I bowled pretty well that day. I got two for twenty-five or four overs, and got uh, uh, Graham Smith out again and uh, Jack Callis, which is probably my highlight. Yeah, wicket, obviously. I hope you've got well. a little chart on your wall. We are top 10 dismissals because you've got quite an impressive resume there with some of the guys that you've got out. Um, again, though, Magic, another great experience, T20 World Cup. And then there was, a, there was quite, a, quite a big gap for Scottish cricket. Yeah, there was. Uh, obviously, between 2009 and 2014, there was a bit of a lull there for five years. Uh, we had some very, very good players then, but I just don't think they were handled that well by the coaching staff. Uh, and obviously, like players like Preston, uh, Richie, uh, Callum were just making their way uh, to get into like playing at international level, which does take time. Yeah. Uh, but uh, maybe uh, we could have done it a little bit quicker. I still remember some of the players we had then, obviously you and Omar were quality players back then. You just didn't really get the opportunity on a consistent basis. Moneeb, Ross, uh, later on as well, like they had guys like Ollie Hares, we had Flanners, uh, Freddie Coleman, uh, the two Burnets, uh, Matthew Park. As well. I mean, no, I, I keep, it always comes back to this now because I've, I did the article there's nothing ever personal against Pete Stein, though Pete Stein had a great impact on me and my career, especially from especially from youth. And actually, you know, looking back, Pete Stein was the one that fought my case to go to T Twenty World Cup. Was yeah. somebody that was a big factor in me getting a contract. So I give a lot of thanks to Pete. But I just felt that the amount of time he was in charge of the national team would you would you would you share my thoughts? It was probably just a bit too long. 
Yeah, definitely. I think he was in charge from 2007. I think uh, Andy Tennant was the man in, who's going to get it, but I think he just seen a bit of player power removing the last two in general and Moles and probably didn't really want the headache and he enjoyed his nice sweet. Yeah, I think Tennant made a wise decision there because the whole player power yeah. thing was really evident then. Yeah. In my yeah. opinion, Andy Moles was one of Scotland's best coaches or could have went on to be. And look what he's went on to achieve after leaving Scotland. Northern yeah. District success, Afghanistan success. Strange that. But he certainly, yeah. uh, there was some player power that pushed him out. Then Drennell, equally, you know, somebody that we had worked a lot with in the A-team. And somebody yeah. I was probably going to come in the national team under. He, he kind of got pushed, pushed out. Um, and then Pete kind of held the, held the reins for quite, for quite a long period of time. Yeah, I just think... Uh... He stayed on a little bit too long, but I think he was quite pally with the CEO then, Roddy Smith, which uh, helped him keep him in the job. And I think always helps. Always helps to keep it tight with the man, the, with the boss yeah. man. Uh, we'll talk about Roddy a little bit later on, uh, but uh, yeah, I think uh, for me that was a bit of a low there. It's a shame because we we had some quality quality players who were performing, but just didn't get the opportunity for a consistent time. You need time sometimes. Yeah. You can't over. You can't just expect someone to come in overnight and be it. You need to give them at least three or four, or five games in one position. Okay, do it. And then eventually they will because there was some really, really talented players. Like Freddie Coleman was a serious player. And we sort of wasted him a little bit. Even like guys like Matthew Cross as well took time. Uh, so obviously, we had in 2012. We had a bit of the English sort of. Players becoming qualified, and that that they, they were like a little bit just flung in there without having to prove themselves, just because they had a county contract. Yeah, they didn't 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 mean they had the the privilege and honor just to come straight into the team. Yeah, if they they were made to work for it, some of the guys who I, I can't believe played for as long as they did. And but uh, but we did have some quality players. Really as well. wrong message to send out to your. Your, no. your talented youngsters coming through yeah. as well that they probably just a lot of guys probably just chucked it at that point if you look back yeah. at that era a lot of guys that probably just were like well that's it I'm done with Scottish cricket yeah. I'm going to do something else yeah if you've not got a full time contract then, then then you have to live your life how, how yeah. are you going to survive on four month contracts earning a thousand pound a month yeah you can't especially when you get to like 25, 26 that, that's not possible yeah and the, the government uh, the body didn't really look after the local players and yeah. a lot of them just like got really pissed off of it and just left. But uh, obviously, as, as I can remember uh, really clearly, in 2012, uh, Neil Carter became available as well. That's right, that's right. <laughs> and like, I remember sitting in a room with, I got called in, obviously, the senior players. It was Kyle was there, Richie was there, Preston was there, I was there, Drummond was the captain then, Pete and Juddy were there. Yeah. And they, they just like, talked him up so much and said, oh, he can't wait to get carts involved. And I was just sitting there. And then, yeah, obviously, they looked at me because I wasn't really happy about it. Yeah. I, I said to him, why are we going down that route of picking somebody who's 38, obviously, at the end of his career now? Carts yeah. Cart came in, played maybe nine months, did pretty well, which which is fine. But, but he shouldn't have been just, uh, it was too easy. Yeah, it was at the end of his career. It just been, it wasn't really going to go. It wasn't really going to go anywhere. It wasn't like you were yeah, going to have him for. It, it, was very, it was very, very short term. Uh, and that's probably the start of where things really sort of 
uh, became awkward with the, the, the governing body and some of the players as well because obviously I wasn't agreeing with them. Yeah. I was saying I was saying to these guys, why why are we going down this route? We've got some very good players in Scotland. So why just because of Neil Carter, what he's achieved, he had a great career down playing county cricket and provincial cricket in South Africa. So 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 why what what's the point of our youth development programmes and all these and eighteen cricket? It's sending out a terrible message and uh, obviously that sort of alienated me. It was probably the start of things, probably late two thousand and twelve. I was just like, Okay, Majid's uh, not singing from the picture camera. Yeah, I think I was getting a call there. Sorry. Okay. Uh, Magic's not singing from the the same hymn sheet as us. And then later on, obviously, I, I was probably getting far too involved in all the off the field stuff rather than just what I was doing, concentrating my own cricket. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously, it's tough times then uh, because I wasn't agreeing with the captain, the vice captain, the coach. Uh, so it sounds like it sounds like you know we're going to get to it. We're going to go into the 2015 World Cup now, but it sounds like the fallout and no, there was a, there was a little bit uh, before as well. Like uh, the, this chief executive, obviously the organisation was struggling for money then as well because mm-hmm. uh, we were relying on money from the ICC, relying from Sports Scotland, but internally we weren't generating any money. We had a, a really good uh, sponsorship with Lloyd's TSB which expired around about 2007. So almost like five, six years, we weren't really generating. And that was like the CEO's job, Roddy Smith. And it's just really, really annoying me then as well. Like these guys are on good, good amount of money, like 60, 70 grand apparently they were on. The CEOs and the players are like on about 25 to 30 max. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and for me, the most important people, I always used to pick the players' corner as well. I always used to say, the most important people for sporting organisations are the players. They are the athletes. You have to keep them happy. You used to find out guys like development officers, no offence to Tim Hart, who was on around about the same money as guys who are national, international cricketers. Yeah, what, kind of, what, what kind of message is that giving to the international cricketer? That what, yeah. what value is the organisation placing on you as an international cricketer? That a development officer is a very important job. Don't yeah, get me wrong. But it's not as important as an international cricketer who's out there having to perform to keep the organisation flowing, to keep the money coming in, to qualify for World Cups. And obviously, we missed out on quite a lot of World Cups. We missed out on the, the T20 World Cup in 2010, 2012, 2014. Uh, granted, the qualifications were very tough then as well. It was, yep. uh, I think it was only 12 teams allowed. In the 2010-2012, in Ireland and Afghanistan, were serious sides then as well. Yeah. Holland, where they were there, we were always competing against them. Uh, so it was very difficult to get into that stage, and with Ireland and Afghanistan being so strong around about that period. So in 2014, we missed out. Uh, I think Nepal and Hong Kong qualified uh, by like 0.01 of a run rate. It was really, like, really unfortunate. We missed out. Uh, we missed out obviously in the, the 50 over World Cup as well in 2011 in India which would have been unbelievable for the organisation that, that yep. was that outfitted tour in South Africa in 2009 yep. where you were a part of I was a part of and Ryan Watson was unfortunately in charge then and didn't really do much himself as a yeah, player Ryan, Ryan Watson didn't really I don't think me and you really ever connected with Ryan Watson <laughs> um, he, was, he, 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 he was playing in the team 
as the main spinner. I know, with, me, with me and Malib sitting on the bench with Ross Lyon. Scotland's leading wicket-taker, or soon-to-be Scotland's leading wicket-taker, was carrying the drinks. Um, I was never in a, in a look-in. I know from, um, I heard in the, in the grapevine that he probably wanted Richie Berrington to be out there instead of me. Maybe, yeah. he, was, maybe he was right, but I was out there. I'd just come back from Pakistan where I'd scored a first-class 100. Um, and, you know, I scored runs in the warm-up games. Unfortunately, I only got one game out there at the World Cup qualifiers and it didn't, you know, I got a first ball against the Dutch yeah. and that was it. Yeah, I still, I, still, I still remember one of the games. One of the, I think Kyle got injured. Kyle got the, injured. And they picked Moni. Let's not get me started or we'll be, talking, <laughs> we'll be talking here for another half an hour. Let, let's move on and let's go into the... So, pretty much what this tells me is for about four or five years leading into the 2015 World Cup, it was a pretty dark time. It wasn't, a, yeah. I think, already the fallout between you and the certain coaches, certain, you know, chief executive. Um, and, you know, probably, did you think, did it ever sound like you and Grant Bradburn ever hit it off, potentially, because by the time he came in, yeah. maybe there was something said about you that, you know, yeah. kind of took you out of favour? The chief executive obviously is very important. He he wasn't like a, a great doing a he was doing a terrible job at that stage. I remember we had a really important meeting in 2013. Where all all the playing a lot of the playing staff were there, uh, and then obviously he turned he turned up half an hour late for a very important meeting, and then obviously like he just started saying things. You're like, hey, what are you talking about? Uh, and then obviously I said something. Like, what type of things? What type of things, Magic? Obviously, like players might get be getting released, and the, the money not, might not be there for the players, and the salaries might not be going up. I was really disappointed. Some of the times, like before, I had a great season, but the money just wasn't there. The contracts were getting signed like after they expired. For a, for a professional player, these are things that need to be sorted well in advance, so that to allow the player to go out, out there and play and perform. Luckily, a lot of us were still performing, but we still we were obviously talking about contracts. Yeah. That's not that's not good when you go into it. That, that's probably one of the reasons why we didn't qualify for these tournaments because we had so many contract issues and stuff like that. And I just said to him, uh, "Roddy, are you really the right man for this job here? In front of all the players, and all the players are probably thinking that, but like you never had the balls to say it." And I, I yeah. just said it yeah. because I was a senior player then. I was performing well. I just come back from uh, being named in the Associate uh, World Eleven team as well to play against England in Dubai. Yeah, I remember that well. I remember uh, that. So I was really on top of my game, and maybe I was a bit too confident. And uh, well, let's be honest. I'm sure you said, like you said, I'm sure you said what every single boy in that room was thinking. Yeah. But I just tend to find. It's a very important meeting for the organisation, the players, and the CEO turns up half an hour late. I like. You, you're meant to be setting the tone at the top here, mm-hmm. and you turned up so late there for such a crucial meeting to give the goals and the vision for the organisation leading forward. Obviously, he left about a year later as well. So, yeah, it was, it was, I was probably getting too involved in off the field stuff rather than just staying. Oh, but it sounds like it was needed at that point. It sounds yeah. like some of the senior players had to speak up. I mean, in my time, when coming in, coming in and playing under senior players. They all had big opinions and, and were allowed to voice their opinion quite often. So I don't see why at that point you were obviously any different. You were a, a leading player I, at that point. I think, I think there's a little bit because I was a little bit on my own. 
where I was where I was before, and then they had like Ryan Watson, Craig Wright, uh, Floppy, Dougie Lockhart. They had that core group who were all saying the same thing, and it's a lot easier when four or five well, players so are playing rather time, than one. During that time, I, I, and I want to kind of the 2015 World Cup. I, I kind of want to touch on, but to be honest, I want to touch on some other big things that that happened. The 2015 World Cup was, a, let's be honest, another a failure for Scottish cricket. We lost every single game. There were some good moments. Some, you know, we, we probably should have beaten Afghanistan. We, yeah, we, yeah. we had that game won. We lost it. The uh, England game, the England game. I thought you bowled tremendously well in the England game. Even though I was getting really annoyed with Ian Botham and David Lloyd, they were they were slagging you off, calling you hand grenade and stuff like that. But you had you, you bowled a very very tidy spell. I think only Moin Ali. Managed to get you away a couple of times, but I think you did yeah. You got who did you get out in that game? Uh, obviously, the first game was against New Zealand. Uh, they put us in, it was quite a sporty wicket. Dunedin's the furthest place in New Zealand, right at the bottom. It was, uh, and obviously, they had his Trembo and Tim Southey both superbly at the start. Unbelievable, the first spells. I thought it was Richie, Richie, Richie Benton and Matt Richie, Richie, Richie and Machi, unbelievable. They got both 50s. Uh, got us to a, a reasonable total. But Just when we were actually starting to look good. Yeah. Partnership got broken. Yeah, that, that was unfortunately the case. Like a few times there. Uh, just when you get a partnership going, you just need to keep going on. You want somebody to get 100. Yeah. Uh, both got out around about the same time on 50. And then we just like we kept losing wickets. And I think we only ended up with uh, 160 or something. Uh, and then they chased it. Obviously, we bowled really well at the start as well. We got some early wickets. We had them a little bit. Uh, I think we actually we got them six, seven down. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Six, seven down. McCullum came yeah. out and, and yeah. tried to set about, set about that you know came yeah. hard at you, but yeah, we got yeah. them six or seven down. Yeah. Well, moving on into the other games, let's let's because yeah. there's so many games we can't go into detail on all of them. So I mean, yeah. the highlights of that, that that tournament were probably. I thought the England game was a game that you know if things had gone a little, you know if Kyle actually yeah. released the, uh, the episode with Kyle when we were talking about it, and I said that if Kyle had managed to go on in that game, he was pretty critical of himself as well. We might have got closer to winning that. The Afghanistan game um, was a game we should have won. We let them over the line. So again, it, uh, let's be honest here: disappointing campaign, no victories, but it took yeah. us into the pretty much the last game of the tournament. And that's where, unfortunately, things started to take a, a, a dip for you. It's interesting to hear you talk today because it now sounds like things were taking a dip for quite a while, I think. Um, maybe, would I be right in saying that you'd maybe probably fallen out with some other senior players? I wouldn't say fallen out. I would just say we had a difference of opinion. Like, who did you think, who are you who referring to then? Who would you be saying that you, you probably didn't see eye to eye with towards the end of your career? Uh, I would say obviously the senior group of players, then uh, obviously Kyle uh, a little bit earlier. Drummond was obviously the captain when that whole Neil Carter situation was going on. Uh, a lot of the English players, the, the ICC had changed their rule uh, that if anyone has a Scottish parent, they can basically play. So I just I have no no issue with that, but they have, make them earn it. Don't yeah. just give it to them. Just say just because you have a county contract, here you go. I remember playing a county game against Derbyshire, I think with all the Scottish guys, I think it was 2013, and then the squad just changed like that, and then we had seven new players for the Pakistan games. So 
that obviously for the, the local guys that's they can take it one way obviously they can sulk about it and think oh there's no point and then they can also say okay I'm going to show these guys just because they've got a county contract I'm going to show them that I don't care if you're available now I'm going to still be here but it wasn't really great for team harmony at that stage because there's so many changes and as a team if you want to be successful you need to have a nucleus of nine players who are going to play week in week out even when the big games, they're still playing. They don't just drop out just to make way. Uh, but obviously, there's some quality players as well who became available. Like Michi was an unbelievable player. He's probably one of the players I played with in Scotland. Yeah. And I, before he got injured, I actually said to him, I think you can go on further and actually play for England. Yeah, he was, he was a quality, he was a quality player. Looked like a bit of a fighter as well. I, I like yeah. I like this. I like that. He was like a, he was like a play with him. Uh, he's like a wee pit bull. You would have loved playing with him. He's a, he definitely didn't take a backward step against uh, some of the big big teams as well. He performed as well against the higher level teams, which is at the end of the day, that, that's where you judge an international player. It's, it's okay performing against teams like, uh, no offence to them, like Hong Kong and Nepal and Oman, but at the end of the day, when you're playing at that at level... At the end of the day, you're judged. Like, in, you're judged yeah, in, I mean, look at the Irish... Ireland, Afghanistan, Holland, teams like that, you're judged against, and obviously the, the top level teams like Australia, England, Pakistan. Well, you look at the Irish, you look at the Irish, the, the Irish have made their names through beating the likes of Pakistan at World Cups, England at World Cups, and that's what's really made people notice them, you know, that yeah. these, these Kevin O'Brien's, Niall O'Brien's, John Mooney's, Potterfield's. Um, but it comes to the last game, Sri Lanka, I believe. You're due to play Sri Lanka, and what I um, I think Sri Lanka was the second last game. Uh, so, so I think the schedule was New Zealand, England, Afghanistan, Bangladesh. Yeah. So that, that was the four games I'd played. Uh, I uh, had the best economy rate in the whole squad. Well, that's what I was going to say. came up against Sri Lanka, they actually mm -hmm. had you and Malinga in the pictures. That these yeah. are the two players, to, two guys to watch out for. So it showed what the what, what the what the what world cricket at that point thought about you. Yeah. You know, you were highly, highly regarded as one of Scotland's leading leading men. Yeah. Into the last game, was that then the Australian game? It was two games before. I think one of the games was against Sri Lanka, and then yeah. the last game was against Australia. Last game against Australia. Um, you were obviously informed. Now, something interesting here. I think everyone always just thinks the tweet was, but the tweet on its own, I don't think was that. I think there seems to be underlying issues that have been leading up to this between yourself and the, the, the organisation. But you, you tweeted that night that it's always difficult when you're in the minority. Hashtag race. I, I think if you just go back a little bit, obviously I can't say too much because obviously we had contract issues and yep. settlement issues afterwards. But uh, in 2014 when Grant became the coach, we had a pretty good relationship to begin with. He was obviously very complimentary. He'd known, he did study a little bit with the Scotland players and stuff like that. And so he was like, he used to ask my opinion quite a lot to begin with. And I think it was just around about the time where the changeover of captaincy as well between Kyle and Preston, obviously in 2014, which was like an unbelievable tough tournament to qualify for that World Cup. Yeah. Uh, I think Preston, Preston had a great, great tournament. Yeah, he? he did. He was superb there. Uh, Kyle got injured at the start of the tournament with a wrist injury. Uh, and Preston was unbelievable. He led from the front 
his captaincy was spot on. The changes he made, the way he spoke to the media, the way he spoke to the players was brilliant. And Kakao was probably not a natural leader as such as Preston. Kakao was a bit more quiet, just liked to be one of the boys and, and uh, just, just quite a happy-go-lucky character. Uh, Preston had a little bit of a ruthlessness in him uh, and a tough, tough uh, uh, South African. Uh, but obviously, Grant asked me, what's your thoughts as a senior player? Uh, who, who do you think should be captain? Uh, so I don't know if he asked other players as well. Uh, but he asked me, I just said to him, I think over the last six months, I think Preston's has shown to be probably the outstanding uh, candidate to be the full-time captain. Yeah. Uh, obviously, a couple of months later, Preston got announced as the captain. Yeah. Uh, uh, so for me, it was a it was a weird time because obviously I don't know where, where things looking down. Uh, uh, so I was getting quite involved in off the field things, and I was just maybe taking my eye a little bit away. I, I was having other issues at home. Uh, personal relationship issues. I had a few injuries in myself. I had a bad knee at that stage and a bad hip. So, and I was putting on a little bit of weight because I couldn't do the stuff I wanted to. I was just, I'm not really in a great space, to be honest, at that, that time in my life. And it was just would disappointing. You, would, I right, would I be right in saying, Majid, that you are somebody that's definitely suffered from depression? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think a lot of people suffer from depression through like drinking a lot. Yeah. For me, it's probably binge eating, and, and we do laugh about it, how much chocolate I can eat. But well, I, 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 I once had a meal with you where yeah. uh, you had a three-course meal in an Indian restaurant, and on the way home, you bought two boxes of finger chocolates and an extra chocolate bar, and you, you sat in the hotel room and managed to finish that as well. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, maybe that's a sign of me being depressed, is yeah. when I start eating badly. Yeah. Obviously, I don't drink alcohol. So for me, that is a sign. When you, when you, if you see me doing that, you know, my just, is everything okay? Like, Grant was obviously a new guy. I, I had great my concerns with him. A lot of things were happening. Uh, I had family problems at that stage. Uh, my mum and dad, my mum and dad were. Uh, I'm not sure what happened there. Uh, my mum and dad were unwell as well. So I had a lot of things going on. I just probably didn't feel I got the support. I feel like I was. Uh, getting a lot of stick for things. Uh, I still remember the day before going out to the World Cup, we had a fitness test, like 10 a.m. in Edinburgh, obviously, I stay in Paisley, which is an hour and 15 away. Uh, so, like, I was just, really, just stupid things like that. Why are we doing a fitness test the day before we go to the World Cup? That, that should be a time for players to just sit at home, be with their families before we go away on a, on a six-week tour to the World Cup and the touring wasn't really natural to me like I'd like my home comforts I'm quite family orientated I like being around like your mother's food. yeah my mum's I miss the food when you're away as well maybe that's a good thing sometimes I lost quite a lot of weight when I was on tour so yeah I just wasn't really in a, a great space then but uh, thankfully now after everything has happened it did take a long time to recover after all that and after the 2015 World Cup, being sent home had a big impact on me yeah, and just family. Yeah, just to take you back to that then, I want to quickly, I don't want to bring back bad memories or anything, but this is obviously something that's very relevant in your life and it pretty much brought the end of your, your career. You, you tweeted out, obviously, I mentioned it earlier, um, always difficult when you're in the minority, hashtag race. 
you tweeted it out yeah. at the time you probably had no idea what was what was coming um who was the first person to contact you to say to yeah. take it down Callum McLeod obviously what's that and he said Maj is everything okay I just said yeah Callum just uh, the usual it's um, just not happy and, and then obviously we, I went to we went to training uh, it was a, quite a bit of a I, I'd put it up in the afternoon and then right, we okay. went to training an hour later and then just the, the, obviously they all, everyone seen the tweet and they were just thinking okay then I got back to the hotel, Grant. Who Grant said, said, did anyone say anything to you at the training session or on the way there or on the way back? Yeah, I think people were just asking what your tweet there about. And I just don't want to say too much. I just wanted to go and have a good training session and uh, come back and then uh, be at the hotel. Uh, Grant, obviously, as we were walking off the coach, Magic can have a word. And then we had a word. He was there. Uh, what was the word, Magic? What was discussed? They were just like saying, what's, your, what's this... Uh, Tweet I just said it's just how I'm feeling at the moment. Uh, they obviously presumed it was 100% to do with the non-selection. I was told I wasn't playing. Yeah. So I just said there's so many other things that had been going on. Uh, just life in general, you know, as a minority, it is tougher. It is tougher. There's no doubt about it. And, and since, uh, especially since 9/11, like the way Muslims have been portrayed and things like that, it's like actually shocking. Like they made like one person doesn't make a whole human race. It's actually, I feel really sorry for the Chinese right now with this coronavirus. Yeah. They're getting a lot of stick for it. Uh, just because it started in China, I think so, but all, all the Chinese are spreading yeah, all this. People. Yeah, now. exactly. I've seen so much social media hate for the Chinese. When so one, sad. Well, because, I mean, yeah. who, knows what, who knows what the whole, but one small market doesn't make the whole Chinese race. Exactly, exactly. Like, uh, even you see the Donald Trump's... Uh, it's because oh, she was Chinese. Yeah. Why didn't you ask China? Yeah. That was, a, that was clearly a, a racist comment. If we, get, <laughs> we, if we get started on politics, you'll really get me started, Maggie. So let's not let, let, let's not go down that route. But who then? Who then told you? Who was the first person to tell you to take the tweet down? I think it was the security guy that we had. He said, "Maggie, just take that down." I said, "That's the way I'm feeling right now. Why should I take something down? How I'm feeling?" Yeah, and uh, we had a meeting. Is Keith Oliver, who's the chairman, and then Kenny Godsman, who was one of the other board members. Grant was there. Preston was there. Maybe somebody else was there. Maybe Grant's sidekick Hammer, who used to always follow him around. Uh, you know, Grant used to always get involved in these tours we used to have. Uh, what was the atmosphere like in that meeting? Oh well, yeah, it was yeah, it was pretty bad to be honest. Uh, Badder than were they aggressive yeah. towards you? Was there, yeah. Were they trying to understand? Were you trying to have a discussion of what was? Or was it just I, was just, I was just getting grilled, and I was there. I'm in one corner, like the rest of the guys are all in one corner. It was just like it was like tough questioning here. Uh, what about Preston at that point? Did you feel? Preston, that, Preston, you, Preston obviously very I, highly. Of Preston was he? Was yeah, he, yeah, was, yeah. Was he trying Preston, to? Preston obviously as captain, it's, he's in a tough situation. I've put him in a tough situation as well, so yeah. I do, obviously, I do have regrets about it. Uh, well, that's what would have come to. I mean, in hindsight, I mean, I, 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 still think, I still think I had a lot of cricket in me. I just turned thirty-two, just become Scotland's leading wicket taker of all time. I had a lot of knowledge, uh, and I felt like I still had a good couple of years in me, definitely. Yeah. No, look, there's been um, 
there's been a lot of players that have done controversial stuff along the way. Um, for a tweet to be the end of your career, I think is um, very, very harsh. I think, uh, but what, what I think you're probably going, you're probably depressed at that point, and yeah. then you were put on a, a plane pretty much within 24 hours. Yeah, obviously, I'd asked to be taking the tweet off, and then later that evening, I took the tweet off. The next morning, I thought, okay, things will be better now. I've taken the tweet off. They called another meeting with the same people and then they said, we're sending you home. I was shocked and uh, obviously I started packing my stuff. It was quite emotional. Uh, I met a couple of players and I met Mary as well. So obviously it was a really emotional time. It was a big, big story then as well. Uh, well, yeah, so obviously, it obviously blew into the media yeah, and it, it, yeah. went, it went viral. Um, you probably got a yeah. few extra Twitter followers than you've ever had over that, over that period of time. But you yeah. got on a plane, and what really stands out for me is, is when you got off the plane at the other end. There was was there anybody from the organisation to meet you? Uh, obviously, the World Cup. I was leaving in the hotel. Uh, Grant's uh, uh, best pal Hammer took me to the airport and just seen me off. And then obviously, I was on a flight from Hobart to Melbourne, and then Melbourne to Dubai, Dubai eventually to Glasgow. Obviously, you've travelled as well. You know, it's a very, very long flight. Yeah. It almost takes two days to do, and that almost like felt like two weeks to be all alone in a plane. Actually, I, I was looking at the the screen uh, in the plane, and my name came up. Magic Hack, Scotland cricketer, has been sent home from the World Cup. I was like, oh, the hell? Uh, yeah. Obviously, I got to Glasgow. I was relieved to see my family there, uh, but the, the, yeah, there was no one there from the organisation and. To be honest, that's that's put me that put me into a really even worse space and uh, mentally as well. I think mental health and depression and stuff and anxiety has come a lot in the last five years. I think, and looking back now, yeah, I was really really in a bad bad state. And obviously, things have gone bad uh, personally, relationship, uh, mum and dad weren't well. Uh, club situation wasn't great then as well. Plays uh, their stuff and yeah, it was just getting from all angles and not knowing people who to trust and who had actually got your back and uh, so it was really really, really uh, tough time. But thank goodness, uh, all things time is a great healer and uh, yeah, I'm in a much better space now. And, and, yeah, yeah hopefully, hopefully, a lot, hopefully a lot of positive things to come in the future. Um, please don't uh, edit, everyone remember Magic like that cricketer. Well, that's, getting, what, that, that, yeah, uh, that's what I was. That's what I was going to say, Magic. Um, you know, we've we've talked about some amazing achievements that you've had all the way through. One of the biggest things that is, and I can't see it changing anytime soon, that you are Scotland's leading wicket taker of all time. It'll be a while before I think somebody manages to break that record. Yeah. Um, also, Scotland A-wise as well, I've got 177 wickets as well. I think Safi's the next best for around about 106. So well, that's another thing. That's another thing from that World Cup. It was strange that Scotland lost every single game and yeah. you got left out in the last game. Why was that, only, the, the, Safi was? Why didn't Safi get a chance to play one game? It made sense. <laughs> Did it really matter? So yeah, well, it does make, it, does, it did it did leave a couple of question marks back home. I certainly put out a Facebook status at the point saying, "Okay, you left Majid out, but then yeah. why is Safi the only other guy in the, in the squad not getting a game?" 
and I'm actually yeah. I'm, I'm actually due to speak to Safi, so I'll be yeah. interested to, to touch with touch on that subject with him. Safi, um, obviously, the year before to qualify, he was one of our outstanding bowlers in that tournament. Yeah, he he bowled superbly, and he played some crucial match-winning innings as well with the bat. Yeah, I think his innings with Rob Taylor to see his over line against Kenya was brilliant under the pressure that we were in. And yeah, I, just, I couldn't believe as well. Safi didn't get one game at the 2015 World Cup, but after after that, he, he's, he's after that he's he's he, he, so. he shown some he's shown some real. It'll be interesting to talk to him actually because he's yeah. he's shown some a great attitude to bounce back from that, and he's gone on to achieve some some great things. I don't want to don't want to you know talk about that now because we, I'll, I'll touch on that with Safi when I speak to him. Yeah. But from Matil to you, imagine you know I, it, it's, I know you've been through some very tough times. You know we all we all do things. We all make mistakes. I'm certainly put my hands up and say I made plenty of mistakes. And we all make mistakes. You learn from your mistakes. Handled. But you, um, you, you should not be remembered for a for a one-off tweet that that you know got said. You got you said it, it does it does it's something that you know is known worldwide. It's something that it, it went viral. But I remember, I remember you for other reasons, and I think a lot of Scottish people in Scotland will be interested to see the response we get to this video. I think a lot of people will remember you as a, a leading, you know, passionate guy who gave us a lot of service from the age of 12, 11, 12 years old, all the way up into your 30s, toured all around the world, hardly ever injured, mostly on a pitch. I mean, I, I hardly, and there was times that your body was probably breaking down, but you were still on the park. You know, is there anything you want to say to maybe people from that that time or anything that you know you you know? It'd be nice to see something you know some some the air maybe get cleared. I would love to see you get some sort of benefit match. You know, mm. something from Cricket Scotland. You know, you know, I would a message, a message from me to Cricket Scotland would be, you know, this guy has done a hell of a lot for the country. He's uh, performed to amazing heights. And I would love to, and if, and if we can do something like that, I'd love to partake in a game like that. Um, but I do think a benefit match or something would be nice for you, Magic, because uh, clearly you've not had the fairy tale ending. Yeah, I, I just don't think everyone gets the fairy tale ending, unfortunately. But uh, it is what it is now. I think, I think it's been uh, well documented and everything. Uh, obviously, I've got cousins now who are pushing to get into the Scotland field team. I've got one cousin who, are, who, who is one of the top bowlers in the team at the moment and Hamza yeah, Tahir yeah, also got a couple other young cousins as well who are pushing Scotland A-team a stuff and Harun Tahir and Hamza's little brother and yeah. Demur Emmed as well who's a quality genuine all-rounder I think there's another, another generation coming as well yeah, another talented generation yeah there's a few boys who are in the district uh, west um, under 15 squad as well one's uh, Hamza's youngest brother One's uh, Demur's younger brother who's there, who's a genuine leg spinner batsman. So we've definitely got cricket in our genes, and I'm hoping one day I might get married and have kids, and they can be the same. I've got a little nephew right now, and yeah, hopefully one day he can follow his uncle's footsteps and get into the Scotland stuff. So Look, it's a great, it's a great, it's a great story. It's a great, it's a great story, and you're obviously the, you're obviously at the top of the tree. So I hope you get lots of pleasure. Um, watching on now and seeing obviously you've still got life, life left in the, in the old boy yet you've still got plenty of cricket I'm sure to play but you're going to get a lot of pleasure watching these boys your, your cousins come through and I'm sure you'll pass on a lot of your wisdom to them but from myself yeah, to you I just want to say you know 
good to see you bounce back from coronavirus. You know, you've got, um, you've, you've, you've had a fantastic career, Magic. There's a lot to be proud of and people should remember you for that. Um, and look, we've all got a bit of controversy along the way. I hope in time, anyone that has differences with you or you have with them, you know, can sit down someday over a cup of coffee and, 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 yeah. sort, these, and sort these problems out. Um, but thank you very much for your time. It's been fun talking to you, taking a trip down memory lane. Um, uh, enjoy the rest of your Ramadan. You know, we've got a few hours left in the day to our fast open. Unfortunately, we're not going to probably get to celebrate Eid the way we want, but I, I look forward to sitting down and having a bite to eat with you when all this, uh, when all this time passes. Sounds good, Shaky. Thanks. Eid Mubarak to you and your family. Thank you, Mubarak. Take care now. Thanks. Good office. Good office.